the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey friends, Bob France here, and I've got bad news and good news for you. Which one do you want first? Well, we'll start with the bad. The bad news is I'm not in today. Now the good. The good news is Rob Walgate is in. You will be treated to the wit and wisdom of my good friend from the Ohio Roundtable, the American Policy Roundtable, and the Public Square Broadcast Network. Rob Walgate, thank you so much for being here for my conservative audience. Friend, take it away. If we look to the answer... As to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses, or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever we are americans this is the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer good morning and welcome to the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer rob walgate and dave zanotti with you this morning on day two of our uh, week-long radio tour, DZ. We didn't get thrown out. I, I didn't check my text messages on purpose last evening oh. because I thought, you know what, someone may tell us not to come back <laughs> if they weren't happy with what they heard yesterday. So I thought the easiest way is make them tell me in person. We're going to show up today and see what happens. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, wonderful because you and I don't get to spend enough time together anyhow. So what will probably happen today will turn into Bob's wonderful listening audience, listening into you and I following falling into a catch-up conversation on a whole bunch of issues that we just don't have enough time to talk about anyways. There, Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Sometimes they, it's kind of like them overhearing a phone call between you and I on work that we have to do for the week or to get caught up on, on one of the issues that's happening in the multitude of states that we work in. Or an extended edition of the Public Square, yeah. which you can always find at thepublicsquare.com, where you and I do spend most of our time hang, hang, hanging out together on the radio. Well, and you know, every day Bob starts his show a certain way. And um, last time, well, not last time because that was yesterday, but a previous time, I know Derek and Marcy and the team behind the glass got a lot of phone calls, people saying, hey, Make sure Rob tell, doesn't tell the new guy not to mess up the pledge. Yeah, don't mess up the pledge. So we're not going to mess up the pledge. We're going to begin today, as Bob does every day, with the Pledge of Allegiance. So there's only one way we're going to start off tonight. 
Only one way we're going to start this night off. I want to lead everyone tonight. Miami, join me. America, join me. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now, if you're not fired up and ready to go after hearing The Rock on a Thursday morning, I'm not sure what else will help. Yeah, I, I, I guess I don't ever get tired of hearing those words. I never get tired of hearing the words of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men, obviously men and women, it was humankind, that's what the word meant, that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. Uh, You sent something to me the other day that came as a little bit of a surprise in that Joe Biden made a statement recently. And we're going to get to that audio later in the show. That sounded a lot like the Declaration of Independence. And of course you would say, well, (laughs) he's the president of the United States. What would you expect him to say? You know, it's been a long time since we've had people in our country talk about the Declaration of Independence. I remember, you know, you and I have done a number of debates all over the place. I remember one you did with Barry Lynn. Yeah. It was on National Public Radio. The Americans for Separation of Church and State. Americans United for the Separation of Church and State, yeah. And you guys were debating, and one of the things that came up is he was talking about uh, reciting the Declaration or the speaking of the Declaration. Yeah, if it were to be read out loud yeah. daily yeah, in, in school, public school classrooms, oh, would be, he would have a problem with that. Yeah. yeah. That, that blew me away. Well, uh, we can take a look at Barack Obama's second inaugural address where he decided to make the subject of his address the Declaration of Independence and then proceeded to completely redefine what it means to be an American based upon a collectivist, i.e. progressive vision of America. It was classic Barack Obama. Let me read you the words that you're familiar with, as if I treasure them as well as you. And then let me tell you what they really need to mean going forward, which happens to be the antithesis of what they actually meant when they were written. But I'm going to deliver it so eloquently that you're going to think that you agree with me while I literally drive this truck off the bridge with you and all your family on it, all right, in a complete opposite direction of where you hope to go. But he was that good. And when you deconstruct what he was actually saying, you look at the language and you actually pull out the dictionary and you look at other speeches, you realize that he was not speaking in goodwill, no matter how kind the delivery may have seemed. He had already made up his mind, made up his decision, was telling you where he was taking the country, his radical transformation of America from a republic of representative government where the consent of the governed is the driving agency of the power of law to an administrative state where experts will tell you what reality is and you will like it. (laughs) And And as an order, he was good. 
I mean, we saw what he did in the 2004 um, National Convention, Democrat National Convention. But to this very day, he's still an incredibly winsome, gifted person. Yeah, and he can – but that also highlights the fact is when someone gives those speeches, I always find it helpful for me either not to watch it, to listen to it, to have it come through the medium of radio – also to go back and read it. Well, and, and I just, yeah, read the words because I was just, I'm, I'm mindful of something I heard earlier uh, today, and, and that is that we should always presume goodwill or good faith on the part of someone who's in the public debate with us, that that should be the baseline. We should always presume good faith. You know, I think that is uh, an interesting premise that I wrestle with. I won't say I completely disagree with it, but I think there's something that's more important than that. I think we should always presume what James Madison presumed, which is men, if men were angels, we'd need no laws, but men are not angels. Rob, you and I have been in this business a long time. The organization that we serve has been around 42 years every day in state, local, and federal public policy issues. Every day. I'm going to tell you something right now. There are people with agendas who have wonderful demeanors and know how to make you feel good who are absolutely opposed to everything you believe in. And if you presume they're coming to you in good faith without studying what their worldview, their track record, and their behavior is, you're basically being naive. And all those public policy decisions, it's been interesting to me through the years, is to hear people say, you know, when you read, when you talk about Madison's quote, if men were angels, we'd need no laws, but then you hear people say, you can't legislate morality. Well, what is the basis of law? <laughs> yeah, That is the basis of law. If your watch is nicer than my watch, I can't go take it from you. Why? One of the best bubblegum ball statements ever in pop culture. You can't legislate morality. Yeah, what does that mean? You, every piece of legislation is anchored on some form of self-evident, transcendent, or agreed-upon truth. That's why you can't run a four-way stop, right? For example... What's self-defense? Well, it's a natural right because of who you are and where you came from. What is protection of the innocent? It's an obligation that flows from the reality of the creation. All of these things are based upon some ethic. or Now, in, in America, because of where we've come from, we confess a personal creator. And there wasn't a mystery who that was, by the way, in the Declaration of Independence. The reason they didn't have to say, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator, the Lord God Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who sent Christ to earth, the living God, the one and only, the singular creator who came here as the word of God made flesh and rose from the dead, because everybody knew who they were talking about. Dave, the founders were all deists. They didn't believe in any of that. It's not even 920, and I'm trying to get you fired up. And, this, and of course, <laughs> that, is, that is, as always, is the lazy person's way out of everything. Give me the paragraph they gave you when you were in ninth grade and base your worldview on a single paragraph that you never investigated and never read a single source document to find out what those people actually believed. Let me tell you something right now. If we could get every American, every American child, to spend two days at Mount Vernon and learn the life of George Washington. That fantasy about the founders being deists would disappear. It would disappear. We've spent years. You and I spent years. We have spent years, but you've been far more in-depth than me with a book you published last year. Yeah, a book called First, 
uh, on the leadership of George Washington. And, and I've spent over four years in intensive research on Washington for that book after 40 years of general research going back to the 90s with a wonderful friend, uh, uh, Dr. William B. Allen, who is the preeminent political philosopher today, former dean at, at Michigan State University. He's taught at Villanova at Princeton, at University of Colorado at Ashland, at top drawer at every level. And we spent four years in dialogue about George Washington. We went to Mount Vernon together and spent an entire day there walking through Mount Vernon, working with the staff, talking to people, because he's been involved in Mount Vernon for, for probably 25 years. Uh, it was just studying the life of, of, and the reason the book is called First is because Washington was first. And Dr. Allen has been a frequent guest of ours on the public square. He joined us at Christmas in America, which airs on this show. Thanks every year, on, good yeah, yeah. every year on on Christmas Day, and Doctor Allen has one of those voices. You could just sit and listen to him read the phone book. It's and it would one be of the greatest gifts. Uh, Doctor Glover, Doctor Sterling Glover, the late Doctor Glover, who is our uh, board member emeritus in perpetuity. He's the Bobby Jones of the American Policy Roundtable. <laughs> yes, he he, just like when you go to Augusta and you get the uh, the, the the patron's letter and, it, and it's signed by Bobby Jones, Chairman in perpetuity. Dr. Glover is our trustee in perpetuity. The things that he taught us, we, by God's grace, we must never, ever forget. Well, he has been such a huge gift to us, and you can still hear him on the radio every now and then because we bring up some of the programming that we did with him. But Dr. Allen has come along in, in recent years and been such a gift to America. He is the one person who, when we have him on the air, everyone says, I need to hear more. <laughs> tell me tell me more. I need to hear more. Well, the, the listeners are going to hear... A lot more from you and I today. We're going to talk about Dr. Fauci's email. We're going to talk about elected officials. We're going to talk about... Hey, it's June 3rd. Ohio's still here, right? We're we're still here. I wonder what Mike DeWine's doing this morning. Gosh, I hope his people are listening. Hi, Mike. I miss you. Hope you're doing well. We'd love to have him on the air. So you're listening to the Bob France Authority, AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority on this Thursday morning. We're just getting started, DZ. Long way to go, and I know you and I have been discussing. Uh, we got into it a little bit yesterday. Over 3,000 of Dr. Fauci's emails have been released for people to take a look at and read, and there's so many things to talk about and to dive into. Uh, but what one thing that jumped at me from the beginning was the dialogue and the discussion he had with other viral. Let me see if I can say this right. Have your finger on the dump button, Derek, because I make sure we get this out right. Vi- virologists. There we Outstanding. go. Outstanding. There Outstanding. we go. Very good. And the fact that they recognized from the beginning that something looked funny. They weren't sure. The term I believe they used in the email is it looks engineered. The virus looked engineered. Yeah. And that was not the message that we were getting publicly. Anyone who suggested that was shot down, safe to say censored by big tech. But behind the scenes, that was the discussion that was taking place. Just an hour ago, Dr. Fauci uh, made statements that have been picked up in Newsweek magazine uh, saying that he is concerned that his emails are ripe to be taken out of context. 
<laughs> well, well, when someone tells you that the virus may be engineered and your response is not one to shoot it down, but basically say, call me, because <laughs> you realize you need to talk about it on the phone. Because he well, realizes. And then you look at the next five email strats or the next number of emails that went out up and down that chain regarding that conversation. Um, so let's, let's talk about context. Um, we are not talking about an international conspiracy of someone attempting to take over the American government. We're not talking about an armed invasion from China or Russia or maybe Canada. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, they're coming from yeah, the north. Yeah. All right. We're talking here about virology 101. We're talking here about a disease that Johns Hopkins University from the very beginning, day one, defined as a mild virus with mild symptoms for most people. It comes from a family of viruses that have been around for, well, we don't really know how long these viruses have been around, but as long as anybody can remember, uh, and as far as we can go back, human beings have dealt with these, this type of a virus, and we have generations of research on this type of virus, not this specific one. It is a new version, but new versions come along all the time. So this is Medicine 101. This is first-year medical school stuff. This is the basis and the platform. Now, if the stuff that we're still teaching this very hour in Med School 101 is not true, then we need to have somebody hold a real big news conference and explain to us how the entire science of virology has suddenly been upended, deconstructed, and replaced by COVID-19. If it's that serious, then we really need to stop and have that conversation. But no one ever alleged from the medical community based on science that it was a complete upending of everything we've known. There was a little bit of mystery involved, so there had to be a significant amount of care. But we did not come into this blindly. That's the context. While it may be a novel or new form of a virus, it's a form of virus that was being studied. One of the reasons that Operation Warp Speed has happened so fast is because people had already had a number of years of investigation in regards to vaccines into this style of virus. And people always refer to and talk about the science, and that's been some of the defense of Dr. Fauci as well was the science of the day. The problem is we are told that the science of the day, and I am using air quotes, is the gospel. And it, it, that's how it's to be treated as definite truth, and that's not how it is because it's constantly changing. Well, yet at the same time, there are some anchor places that have been built that are real, that we know are real. Like, for example, um, look at flu vaccines. You know, we've talked about the Spanish flu of 1918. People don't know that the flu, one of the most recent flu vaccines that went out had a component of the 1918 Spanish virus flu in it. The, the CDC, our own CDC, did a massive experiment on the 1918 Spanish flu virus. Nobody knows that. We went back as a team on the public square and we studied that. Go to the CDC right now. Go to the CDC's website and type in 1918 Spanish flu. You will get a, a, an online documentary how they have been basically trying to reconstruct and succeeded in doing so, reconstructing the Spanish flu 
going back the whole way to 1955 inside a laboratory, even though that's a deadly, dangerous virus. We're just getting started here on the Bob France Authority. We are down email number one of over 3,000 of Dr. Fauci. More to come after the break. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority. Rob Walgate and Dave Zanotti with you this morning. And before the break, we were talking Fauci emails. We were talking about the fact those were obtained from a FOIA request from BuzzFeed in the Washington Post. FOIA standing for Freedom of Information Act. Yeah, so the whole question of transparency and honesty from the beginning of this debate has been where we have entered in. What's real? What's the truth? So we constantly go back to quoting what Johns Hopkins University defined uh, out loud for everybody for a reason and purpose. Now, to this day, uh, across the Internet of the medical community, it's the Johns Hopkins report on the actual statistics of this virus that go out twice a week and that we get also. And, and everyone examines, and they're, they're, they're providing baseline reality on this. Now, there are other people that are substantive in this. Obviously, the CDC, WHO, there's, there's a lot of people that are in the game. But the people who are telling you what's real, the people on the news, we're going to all the same sources they're going to. And this is not a mystery. The data is available for anybody who wants to look at it. But, right. it, but it's easier, Dave, just to read the headline or hear the talking point than to do the work, right? Well, then both sides have different talking points based on the data. Exploitation of our technocracy, as well as the exploitation of the goodwill of the American people here, is part of the great tragedy of COVID. Because people don't want to die. They don't want to get sick. They don't want to be responsible for getting someone else sick. They don't want to put anyone's life at risk. People were manipulated, and their goodwill. And this, Rob, it makes me so sad. I, I can't even quantify the emotions that I feel about this. It is heartbreaking to see how the people of Ohio and of our country were manipulated by their political leaders and by the media on this. It is heartbreaking to me. First off, because of the goodwill. Secondly, because of the loss. And thirdly, because of the the danger going forward of breaking trust. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I feel like the government in so many instances and elected officials who didn't have the authority to do what they did felt they needed to take the role of parents and manipulate the population of this country the way that maybe a parent would treat a five- or six-year-old child to try and keep them safe because they don't know. We're so much smarter than you. You don't know what you don't know, so let me protect you. You and I had a conversation earlier on that. If we hear one more time, well, you just don't know what I know. And if we hear, yeah, so the and the answer to which is tell me. Tell everybody. Why are you keeping the truth a secret? What are you here for? If And, and fortunately, this word has been removed recently it's sort of faded away on shelf life i I think if we got to a point if i heard one more person say or write down the words out of the abundance of caution 
I think I think my head was going to my eyes were bleeding, my ears were bleeding. I, I it, it, the absurdity of what we went through. Now it's not just the insult of pr- the presumption that we're too stupid to be able to understand, comprehend, or deal with the truth. You know that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a systematic move to manipulate this country according to an agenda behind closed doors. For what purposes, we still don't know. I still don't get Anthony Fauci. After looking, and we'll eventually get through all 3,200 pages of his emails, I still don't get this guy. He still doesn't add up. Now, it may be because there's multiple reasons uh, for his investment. And people will, will throw things like, well, follow the money, follow the money. Well, maybe, not sure. Uh, or he's working for XYZ. Well, maybe, not sure. It, it is nuanced. It is complicated. It is multilayered. There's a lot more research to be done. But one thing we know for sure, we're not being told the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And, and the fact that this became so political so early on, and there were side, there was a line in the sand, and it seems like people jumped on, on either side of the line. But the thing for me, and, and I'll point to Ohio specifically, is once again 3701.13 in Ohio Revised Code that gave ultimate authority in times of isolation and quarantine to the director of the Department of Health. Even if you agreed with... Post-Spanish ev- flu yeah, legislation. Yeah, post-Spanish flu and TB and everything 1918. else. Mm-hmm. Even if you agreed with everything the director of the Department of Health did, Dr. Acton, in the beginning, and obviously she served at the pleasure of Mike DeWine, so he had his hands in those decisions... But even if you agreed with every step they took, and this was always my argument, our argument at the roundtable is, do you really want the law to put one person in charge of everything? That is such a dangerous precedent to set because the next person is going to make decisions you don't like. You can't change your opinion of the law based upon decisions that are made. You should be looking at the rule of law in the constitutional value it provides. What happened here was so wrong at so many levels. You could you could write well. Somebody's going to write a five hundred page book like Barry wrote on the on the on the Spanish flu, or the Governor Cuomo wrote and got a big bonus yeah, for it. Yeah, you you sorry, could write five hundred pages here, and and still not get it all. But let's just talk about the the concept of process, uh, the the rock lettuce and the pledge of allegiance, and to the republic for which it stands. A republic is a form of government where the authority for the decision-making ultimately resides with all the people who are citizens of that country. Our Constitution begins with the words, we the people. That is where the fundamental authority for civil government arises in the United States. When you, you don't like your government, look in the mirror because it comes from us. When people get all worked up screaming at politicians saying, I pay your salary, I want my country back, you know, I can say this on WHK, shut up. Stop that language. Don't use those words because we are the people who gave them the job. If you want to be angry at somebody, look in the mirror. We have to stop that novel, silly novice, I should say, juvenile understanding of what our civil government's about. We have to have people that are going to serve us in public life that are going to tell us the truth. Now, they don't have to be perfect people. I'm certainly not. I am, I am, I am no 
more qualified than anybody that's in there and far less qualified than many. It's not about someone's ultimate human virtue. We're all sinful, fallen people. If men were angels, we'd need no laws. But men are not angels. We get that. We're not talking about sinless perfection here, but we're talking about honesty. So it takes us back to FOIA. A FOIA request is a Freedom of Information Act. You can do that at the state or the federal level. We participated at the American Policy Roundtable on trying to get the information on the models that were distributed in the state of Ohio, created by the state of Ohio, created by Ohio State University, under the auspices of Amy Acton, the director of the Department of Health, uh, embraced by the governor of the state and used as the fundamental basis for the governor setting up his strategy to shut down the economy in Ohio, to shut down businesses, to strip people of their civil rights, were predicated upon, based upon, built upon models. So we said, okay, we need to look at the models. Show us the math. Because when we looked at the models, it made no sense. So what we did is we took everything that they gave to the press and we brought it in and we deconstructed it and we basically re-engineered it back again. We built it back with as, as if we had to build it. Then we took it to experts behind closed doors who could not disclose who they are and what they know. And we said, here's what we see they're saying. How does that jive with what you know to be real? And judge our math. Are, are our math conclusions correct? We went through all of that. And then we knew for sure that the models were filled with absolute air. They were, they were, they were total projections based Worst upon. Worst case scenario projections. At every time, at every point in time, these were comic book. You couldn't pass a C in a high school biology class or a statistics class. You couldn't pass ninth grade math with the stuff that they put in there. And so once we realized all of that, we realized they were lying to us in the models for the purpose of frightening us, to manipulate us. Then we started to try to find out where did the models come from. And you know what? They wouldn't tell us. They wouldn't tell us, and they, they saw that that was a challenge. And, and understand as well, you talk about the manipulation and and the scare tactics, the fear that went into it, because that's what people, in the beginning, when you think of late February, early and mid-March of 2020, you didn't really know what, we didn't know what we were dealing with, and people weren't being honest about it, and there was a lot of fear that was going around because it was a real virus, engineered or not. It took us months of back and forth and back and forth and back and forth on this FOIA request, and when they finally surrendered the information we were requesting, it was a handful of names, a handful of emails, and they contend that there was, through this communication, that there was never any set series or, or established meetings, debates, seminars, phone calls. We, after giving everything they said was public record on where the models came from, we still have no idea if Amy Acton and Mike DeWine ever sat down and analyzed the science of this before they took it straight to the press and told us we were all going to die. We have no evidence whatsoever. And the thought that always sits in my mind is the fact of how many students were out of school for over a full calendar year. By the way, Mike DeWine's people just heard me say, we're all going to die. They didn't say we're all going to die. They just said, do what we say or else. Do what we say or a lot of you and people that you care about may die. We are still an hour number one, hard to believe. Today on the Bob Friends, we may have Derek call and tell him we just may stay till three o'clock today. We may, 
Think we can lock that door, DZ? Take over the airwaves? Yeah, we got Bob's show from now on. Yeah, right, yeah. we're going to lock the door. Bob we're, will be a guest for the next week. We're staying for a bit. Sorry, we're Bob. staying for a bit. More to come after the break on AM 1420. It's a sit in. Yeah. <laughs> We're back on the Bob Francis Authority. Derek picks good music. Derek does pick great music. And um, I think we're making him a little bit nervous, though, because we're in here talking and chatting, and he's afraid we're going to, you know. AM 1420, the answer, the Bob France Authority. (laughs) We're going to miss the cue. We're going to miss the cue. But this is what we do, Rob. People don't know this. I was talking to some folks the other day about the expansion of the radio outreach of the work of the Roundtable on the Public Square. You are on major uh, stations every single week. I'm on major radio stations every single week. That doesn't include the 200 stations that carry the public square radio broadcast. And I said, well, boy, what a braggart he is. No, no. (laughs) This is as organic, wilderness, John the Baptist kind of work you could ever see. It is a miracle that people who are so far outside the political party process as we are in the mission of the American Policy Roundtable that we are being dragged into media outlets because they're looking for someone that can give perspective from the ground up as opposed to basically coming at you from the top down with the political agendas of industries or the political parties. So we're thankful. We celebrate that. We we brag about it, if you will, just so people would be encouraged to know that there are people all over the country looking for the truth. Yeah. But we, Derek, we hang out in these studios. It's like we live here, man. Just, <laughs> it's just I know how to I know how to sleep in the corner. They're doing this, man. And we appreciate the listeners because the talk He's radio because we don't have our headphones know, on. We're I just on the clock. We know we got eight seconds. Go put that. He was an on. air Let's traffic go. controller over there yeah, trying to direct us. But we appreciate the listeners of talk radio as well. Because we know they're searching for the truth. Yeah, and I would say we it. not only appreciate them, we value them so highly that we probably lose sleep at night yeah. with the great care. Because the people that are looking for truth are listening to talk radio in America and have been for the last 40 years. And people don't realize the thin, tiny, thin margins upon which elections are won or lost, issues are decided, and the impact one person writing a single letter or having a single conversation or talking to someone who talks to someone who then, by God's merciful grace, reaches a person who has to make a decision and their entire focus was changed because of that one word given by a nobody. We'll never see those stories until we get to the other side. But the people who listen to these programs are the most important people in the world that we live in well and it's also about relationships too and when you talk about elections being decided i think in the political spectrum today there's so much talking down to and lecturing and an uppityness that drives me crazy i think of it like shopping at a grocery store if i shop at giant eagle and you shop at heinen's and i know that there's a couple products you buy that you could save money if you shopped where i shopped if I come over to you and say, DZ, you're such an idiot. You're so <laughs> stupid. You waste money. You moron. You're a moron. Why do you waste money on those products? I'm going to save you money. Even though I'm going to say, you're going to save money, you're not going to do what I mentioned that you can do saving money. You're going to be like, that guy's a jerk. Why is he talking to me that way? But yet in the political world, we think we're going to educate or change people's minds or have them see truth by lecturing them and calling them names. That always has baffled me. You know, um, I like Rand Paul. I like Rand Paul. 
Now, he's not my senator. I don't vote in in Kentucky. Um, I don't care about what political party he's a part of. I like Rand Paul. He's an honest doctor. I've studied his his life and, and, and his practice and his community. I, he checks out. Pretty, pretty straightforward guy. So out comes the Fauci email thing, 3,200 pages. After Fauci and Rand Paul got into this massive blow up in the media, and the media tried to say, oh, Rand Paul, you're a lunatic. Look at his hair. It's always, it's always, it's always, look at his hair. Or he's not tall enough to be president of the United States. His uh, neighbor hates him. His, oh, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, his neighbor, I mean, that's a crazy story. Look at the, he almost died. His neighbor almost killed him. A United States senator, his neighbor almost killed him. Over some kind of an argument, and, and, and cheap shot at him at that. Blindside like, that's, attack. Blindside attack. The whole Fauci thing comes out. Rand Paul says, "Told you." That's the entirety of Rand Paul's statement. Told you. <laughs> now, but I will say, you like Rand Paul. Here, here's why. And for the listeners, here's why DZ likes Rand Paul. Because every year on Festivus, Rand Paul has an airing of the grievances. <laughs> And he airs his grievances with the budget and with spending in typical Seinfeld fashion. And he lists all the things that he has a problem with. So, that I mean, I think you relate to Rand Paul there. The point is the style of our conversations are important. Yes. And being truthful is important. Being honest is important. And look, honest is ugly. We're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. That's the great reality of human nature is when we understand it, we understand there's a redeemer that was sent for a reason and a purpose, which means we have hope, but we can, we can be honest because we're not trying to prove ourselves. Look, we're temporary. We're renters here. There is a thing called self-evident truth and that remains. And the American premise, our existence is built upon the concept that not only there is self-evident truth, but we embrace, Brace it. So when you go through a crisis, that's when you find out where people stand on truth. And we failed in this last crisis. And there still has to be room for grace. And when someone says, I was wrong, I'm wrong, here's what now is fact, here is the truth. Out comes the stamp which says, forgiven. Forgiven. And that's been part of my, you know, that that's another issue I've had in the political spectrum. I've I've seen... And I'll just speak, you know, I'm coming at this from an independent perspective. I am not registered any longer with a political party. And one of the things that drove me crazy about both political parties, I'll give an example from the Republican Party, is the fact there were two candidates running in a primary. Well, they both were pro-life. The problem is one had a, con- I shouldn't say the problem. The facts are one had a conversion, thank God, to become pro-life. They were someone who believed in abortion rights and they came to a pro-life position. And it, during the primary process, the candidate who'd been pro-life for 30 years said, I'm pro-life. I've been pro-life a lot longer than you. You didn't come soon enough. And I'm like, didn't come. Why would anyone ever want to change their oh, position? Wait, no, listen, to- I'm going to disclose what we're talking about is the 1980 presidential primary season in which there were multiple candidates running for the presidency. And uh, two of them were George H.W. Bush and Ronald Reagan. And, of course, Reagan didn't start out as pro-life. In fact, when he was governor of California, he did very little, if anything, 
in regards to understanding the issue of state law and abortion on demand for any reason. And he wrote that he was wrong on that position. So the guy that is the mentor of this very program himself started off pro-choice. And thank, pro God abortion. He, thank God he changed. Thank God he changed. As did George H.W. Bush, based upon the work of the late Dr. Jack Wilkie. So there's room for grace and understanding. And some people would call it, well, they're flip-flopping. I'm not saying someone that's going to go back and forth and back and forth on an issue. I'm saying someone that has that conversion. So I, a leader should flop on an issue. Listen, I have been wrong side. about a boatload of stuff over the last 42 years in public policy, and there's still stuff I don't know what the answer is ultimately. I can see a lot of different sides, and I'm not sure. Okay, so this happens all the time. Now, one thing that we want to get to, though, is to show you how this just, just, <laughs> here we go. The facts, <laughs> the data, and the statistics can be manipulated. I want to get back to COVID and get back to what Mike DeWine and his team have done to us. In well, Ohio. And after the break, we're going to do that and we're going to ask the question Are they still lying to us? Is herd immunity still a possibility or are we being lied to? That and much more after the break on the Bob France Authority, AM 1420. The answer.